Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. So good to see you all and worship with you this morning. I know sometimes we take for granted the simplicity of gathering with the church family because we get used to it, you know, and of course there's some countries where people gather to worship at great cost or have to travel great lengths, and uh, this week actually I was away yesterday, believe it or not, celebrating my grandma's 100th birthday. Isn't it amazing? She's not here, but you can clap. She's amazing, and uh, we gathered with a lot of my aunts and uncles and cousins, a lot of them that I haven't seen in a very, very long time, and a a ton of our kids and great-grandkids. I don't know how many greats she has, but it's a lot. And we were over in Charlottesville, Virginia, and that's where she's lived for many years. And I was flying back to get here uh, for Sunday morning, and so I had to get a connecting flight in Charlotte, North Carolina, And everything was so peaceful until I got to Charlotte. But then the airport at Charlotte was just a mess. Like, apparently they just had tons of canceled flights. Some people had been waiting there. They told me for 10 hours, you know, in lines trying to find hotels. So likely all the car rentals were gone. And I'm thinking, oh boy, it's already late. Let's see what happens with, I just need a little tiny flight to Nashville. That's all I need. And then it got delayed I think three times, and then I started feeling like the writing was on the wall, because once you have a delay that just keeps getting extended, that flight's usually going to get canceled, and what they told us is we are waiting on the crew, so it's now past uh, midnight, we're sitting there, you know, all hoping that this is going to end well, and all of a sudden, the crew rolls in like superheroes, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there's like six of them just walking like bosses, and people start clapping and cheering. They start getting the plane ready, but then the woman at the gate says, by the way, we all have to get on the plane as fast as possible because if, the, if it is not off the ground by 12.37 a.m. exactly, even if we are on the runway, we have to turn around and cancel the flight because the crew will have reached their max work hours and we cannot go past that minute. So panic comes over like a hundred of us trying to squeeze on this plane. And of course, there's nothing we can do to try to go faster. I've never seen uh, people get on a plane faster, put their luggage away and help people. So much kindness. And, and I've never seen, you know, the flight attendants doing the seatbelt thing like this and like doing and like while we're moving. I was thinking the whole time, I hope the plane's ready. I mean, I, I want to take off, but are the doors closed? I mean, it was crazy. And I'm not exaggerating. We lifted off at 1234 a.m. And so I'm thankful to be here, worshiping with the Graceland Church family. Jessica and our kids are actually driving home right now, so keep them in prayer. They're on the road, eight-hour drive with just her and the four kids, and yeah, I I dodged that bullet, but uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. We have traveling down to a science. We've done so many long trips with the kids. It's actually a lot of fun. But normally I'm driving and she's managing the kids. So now I don't know what's going to happen. But um, she'll be back tonight. And then she goes right away as one of our counselors to youth camp. They leave tomorrow. So start praying for our kids, our students, not kids, our youth students that are going to youth camp. Keep them in prayer. It's going to be awesome. I also, as I mentioned earlier, wanted to highlight again, Newcomers Connect. Um, If you're new or newish here or just haven't been to Newcomers Connect yet, I want to encourage you. the, The info will be up on the screen. 
Um, it's coming up on July 9th, which I believe is two Sundays from this Sunday. It's only about 30 minutes long. It's right after this 1030 service, right upstairs. We have some refreshments. There's childcare. We just need you to pre-register. There's a QR code there. It's also the bottom one on this welcome card. There's info there. We'd love for you to get connected more as part of the church family, learn more about our heart and what we do. It's a really great time together. And then last highlight before the message, next Sunday, I'm going to have a short message, and then we're going to hear testimonies from our Mexico missions team. It's going to be amazing. And I've been getting, how many are in the room right now from the Mexico missions team? Yes, it was incredible. And we got to do wonderful work there, and God did wonderful work in the hearts of the team. And we're going to share some incredible stories next week, as well as a short message, and of course, a time of worship and just spending time in God's presence. So, so don't miss it. And what they are going to do, why we're going to give a Sunday to that, is because testimonies are really important. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, meaning what Jesus did on the cross, and the word of our testimony. That's what the book of Revelation says. So our testimony, mine and yours, of faith in Jesus, are critical to the lives of those around us. And to testify means to give evidence as a witness. So we are testifying that Jesus is beautiful, like what we just sang about testifying that Jesus is wonderful, powerful, and we're going to share stories about what he's doing there in Rio Lagartos, Mexico, and Tizimin, where we got to stay as well. I can't wait, and today I'm going to share a message that ties in beautifully called Testify About Jesus. We're stepping back into the Gospel of John, which we've been studying for about a year and a half now, and we just are slowly working through the whole book. We're in chapter 15. You, of course, don't have to have been here for all of those recent sermons. Every sermon works by itself, but we just want to teach our church to delight in God's word, right? And we want to make much of his word. So what I'm about to read is the best thing that's going to be spoken all morning. You tracking me like the sermon, take it or leave it, but God's word, we delight in his word. And so we're going to read the full text and I want to give you a note before I read it. It's a challenging text of Scripture. That's another reason it's good to go all the way through books sometimes because it forces you to look at Scriptures that you might gloss over normally because what does that mean? What is that talking about? This is a tough text. I don't fully understand everything that it's here, but I'm going to share what I believe it's getting at, and I know that God is going to speak through his word to us. And the context before we read it is that Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. So things are very intense. He's getting very close to going to the cross. It's literally uh, coming up very soon. The disciples, of course, don't know that. And Jesus is telling them, I have to go away. And he's preparing them for that reality. And he picks up in John 15, verse 18. We pick up to what he's saying in verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, 
the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So let's start with the very first half of the first verse. If the world hates you. So Jesus, you would think, would be wanting to encourage them. And this doesn't make a lot of sense. It seems so strange that those that have been entrusted with the message of hope and salvation and peace, that that message would be received with hate. But Jesus is doing something here that all of us have learned to some degree or another, and that is we're not loving people well unless we're speaking the truth to them. And Jesus is clearly not sugarcoating the truth of what these disciples need to hear to be prepared for what is coming. The truth is actually a gift of love. But it still begs the question, why will the world hate Christians according to what Jesus is saying here? And he answers that question in the text we just read. If you look at verse 19, he says, I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And then in verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name. So the first principle in your notes is sometimes the world will hate you because you testify about Jesus and belong to him. Jesus said, they will treat you like this because of my name. So when he says my name, he's not just talking about Jesus as it stands as a physical name. You know, there are some people that actually have the name Jesus. He's talking about what his name means. It's who he is. So there's something about who Jesus is, which is still strange to think that the world will hate. It's strange because he's the one who's come to save the world. So, so we have to then ask the question, who is Jesus? And we can look at the announcement about his birth. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Jesus is the savior. And Pastor Paul L., who I'm going to quote here, says, if there's a savior, it must mean there's something we need to be saved from. The something we need to be saved from is sin. The world isn't very excited about being told they need to be saved from sin. Has that been your experience? How about this? Make it more personable. How many of you have sometimes not reacted well when you were told you needed to be saved from sin? I would raise my hand. One of the first times I really got confronted um, and God was really speaking to me through my dad uh, with the truth in love. I was 16 years old. I was about to become a youth group Bible study leader uh, because the youth pastor uh, saw giftings on my life that he wanted to use for the youth group. But my dad knew that I did not really know Jesus yet. And he knew that I wasn't following Jesus. I said I was a Christian, but I had not really met the Lord. I, I wasn't in love with the Lord. I wasn't following him. I was living my life. I, I had a girlfriend. I had a band, and that's all I cared about, hanging out with my friends. And my dad lovingly confronted me. I'll never forget it, sitting in my room one day. I had, I had posters of bands, and I used to collect um, Swiss cake roll boxes, and I had a whole wall covered in Swiss cake roll boxes. I had all of my guitar amps set up. I painted all over my walls. It was trashed. I had my band's cassette tapes and CDs because we made that transition as a band all over the floor, all of my artwork. I mean, I was just like the 16-year-old whirlwind uh, punk rock Christian kid, but I didn't know the Lord, right? And, and my dad knew it. And he came to my room and lovingly told me, Nathan, either you tell Pastor James or I will. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm going to tell him that you're not ready to do this. And I was angry. 
It's like, what are you talking about? I'm ready. I, I don't even know. What am I going to do at a, at a Bible study? I don't know. What, what am I going to teach other kids? I have no love for Jesus myself. But my dad lovingly confronted me, and it was one of the critical pieces that became the catalyst in my life for a, a real summer of transformation where I really met the Lord and began following Jesus. So the truth in love is how Jesus approaches us, and we, like the world, sometimes hate the truth, right? And Jesus is the truth. So this is not just as simple as like surfacy saying people don't like to be told the truth. That is true, but there's also even a deeper spiritual component to this that we cannot fully understand. There's a whole spiritual realm where there's spiritual warfare taking place for your soul, for the souls of people. We believe that with all our hearts. So, so we have an enemy of our souls that even feeds into the idea of hate this threat. We can see Jesus as a threat. I know so many people who have, who have not yet like jumped fully into the river of God, if you will, because they're just afraid of what it's really going to cost them. Like, what will it really cost me to give a full surrender to Jesus? And if that's you, you're still resisting truth, even though truth is in love. And if someone really pushed on your buttons, you might get a little defensive, right? And this is just true of all of us. So, so this is why the world hates Christians. And then what do we do with that? Jesus gives us an encouragement. If the world hates you, look at what he says right after that. Keep in mind that it hated me first. Number two in your notes is that Jesus can empathize with every trial you face and will help you. He's the God who says, I see everything you're going through and I'm with you to the end of the age. He tells you to take heart, whatever your battle is. You might not feel like the world hates you yet, but you might have an internal reality or something going on in your mind. You might be going through motions, but have already given up internally. You might be going to some kind of hellhole on Monday and you're just barely getting through today. Jesus sees you. He can actually relate to that. The book of Hebrews says he's our great high priest who has been tempted in every way as us. And not just that, when he went to the cross, he bore upon himself all the guilt, shame, and sin and brokenness of the world. So he's tasted it. You tracking with me? Sometimes we think this perfect Jesus, he doesn't know this mess. He doesn't know what's really going on. He does. He knows your temptation. He knows if you're feeling hated by the world. He knows the weight of your sin shame and guilt. He knows the fear you wrestle with, the pain, the isolation. So therefore, you can trust him. He is the overcomer and you can walk with the overcomer. He then goes on to explain in verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. So Jesus comes as the savior of the world and is hated for it. And I just read it earlier during worship in the first chapter of John, verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This is the creator. Some of you have experienced rejection from your children or grandchildren. I've walked with a lot of families whose, whose kids and grandkids sometimes have entire seasons and some are still in it where their kids are rejecting them, right? And that's a taste, not even a full taste, but that's a taste of God's heart towards us. And there, there's, an, there's also uh, the encouraging side to John 1. They do not receive him, but to all who did receive him, receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And here's a principle um, that is sobering and encouraging. Every person will be accountable for their life and actions before God. The way that this encourages me, I'll just speak personally for a moment, and I think it should encourage you too, when it comes to uh, feeling rejected by the world or even hated by the world, is I am reminded it's not my job uh, if I have a friend in my life that doesn't know Jesus and, and the Jesus in me is being resisted by that friend. And I dislike that because this is a friend that I love, I want to serve, I care about, yet somehow my life in Christ feels like a threat to him. That friend wouldn't say it that way. I just want to also hang with my friend. I want my friend to meet Jesus. I would, get, I would lay down myself for my friend because I actually love them, yet I'm receiving rejection and hatred from that friend, not because of me, but because of the name of Jesus. And it's not that this friend is not welcome into the kingdom, but they have not yet chosen it. Therefore, Jesus can feel like a threat to them. What really helps me in those kind of situations, which are many in my life, with people, some of the people that are dearest and closest to me, is I can freely love them without having to be the judge of their heart. Doesn't mean I don't walk in the truth. Doesn't mean I compromise on anything God has called me to as a follower of Jesus. I can share the truth in love and I can be free in my love for them. If they choose to push me away and reject me, there's nothing I can do about that. And let me clarify with you, I'm not talking about like Christians that are actually like jerks because that happens too, right? If the world hates you because you're unkind and ridiculous, that's your problem. <laughs> you need to repent of that, right? We are called to, yes, be the truth and the truth in love. And we should demonstrate the fruit of the spirit to the world. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you should be gentle with the world. You can still walk in truth and speak the truth, but you should be gentle with the world. But here's, what I'm, here's the sobering message today. The world will still hate you. Welcome to church. I just have found in my own life and in walking with Christians for a couple decades now, we so desire to just fit in. <laughs> Can't we just be okay with everybody? Can't we just, gosh, can't we just like function together normal? No, you can't. You're a misfit. If you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're born of the Spirit of God, you are now of a different kingdom. And no matter what you do, at times the world will hate you. And I'm just, I want to pastor this church well and my own heart and family well. We have to accept that. We have to like raise our hand and say, okay, uh, uh, I'm a misfit. And then Jesus gives us this incredible promise. When the advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth that goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit is your helper and he will help you testify about Jesus. I have found that the most powerful testifying about Jesus is usually the stuff that you're not even trying to do to testify about Jesus. Sometimes we think testifying about Jesus is, I'm gonna share my gospel track every time I see them, right? I'm not talking about that, that's fine. You should share the gospel, you can use a track, but I'm talking about just the life of God flowing out of you. 
That's what ultimately is going to testify about Jesus. That's how I want to testify about Jesus. I want people to have the invitation to him, not like my version of him, right? I don't want to be in the way. I was just listening to this old uh, audio adrenaline song, any, uh, any old time. And they had the old album, Bloom. Anybody remember Bloom? In my opinion, their best album of all time. They have a song on there called Don't Look. I don't know what it's called, but the chorus says, Don't Look at Me, I'm See-Through. And he was just expressing his heart, trying to tell people, you know, you know, they were a band, so people were always looking at them as like rock stars and examples, and they need to be examples and have integrity. But ultimately, don't look at me, I'm see-through. Look at him. I want, through the Holy Spirit, my life to testify about Jesus. It needs to be a whole lot greater than me, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit will do through us. And that's really good news, and it's number four. The Holy Spirit will help you testify about Jesus, I think testifying about Jesus is especially powerful in hard times when we go through challenges, when something breaks, something hurts, or maybe we get a limp. And I'm going to share a story. You're going to, you're going to wonder why I'm sharing it at first, but I'll connect the dots. And I'm just going to embarrass myself a little bit. Are you guys up for that? I want to close with a little personal embarrassment. Again, welcome to church. I don't know if this is just going to be a part of my 40s or not. I know I talk about this a lot. I'm dealing with my midlife crisis. Just bear with me. I was battling my son three days ago in the living room. He's almost five. That means he's getting pretty good at athletics. So we're fighting with swords, plastic swords. And they're those swords that, like, if you stab each other, they recess. You know what I mean? And you, like, pretend like you're dead. And so we were doing that. And, but also when they're out, they have a light, and you smack each other's legs. And, like, we're battling. And he's getting good, so it's making me laugh. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, man, he got me. Like, and then I'll, I'll, in my mind, I'm going into the next round, and I'm like, I'm going to try my hardest. I'm gonna, and then, oh, he got me. So I'm like laughing. And then I came up with the genius move. I'm going to do a spin onto the couch and land on this pose with the sword. And as I did it, I don't even know what my foot hit. But all of a sudden, my big toe on my right foot felt like it got cut off. <laughs> And it hurt so bad that I fell on my back and I put a blanket over it because I thought it was going to be a nasty scene, you know. And Clay, my son, thought I was just still playing the game. His dad's playing dead. But I'm like yelling and I, it is so painful. I finally take the, the cover off and my whole, I mean, my toe is just nasty, like black and blue, purple. I mean, there's so much blood being released in there. I thought about bringing a picture this morning, but I wanted to spare you. But just imagine it. The hairy knuckle on the big... T- <laughs> my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, with her phone, has taken pictures of the whole trajectory of it. She, she gets her, kid, her friends on FaceTime to look at my toe. So I have this whole trajectory, and it's been killing me. Um, we had this whole trip. I've been traveling. I'm walking around the airport, and man... Every time I just knock it a little bit, I feel like I'm going to fall over and pass out. But here's the thing. The pain that I'm feeling in my toe is actually for my body's good, right? It's letting me know there's a problem. If I didn't have any pain there, I would end up hurting it much worse. It, it, I'm, I'm positive it's broken. I won't go to the doctor, but I know it's broken. <laughs> I might go to the doctor. Jessica and I are debating that right now. They can't do anything for toes, right? Who's on my team? Do you have to see a doctor for a toe? Yes or no? Who's yes? Who's yes, doctor? Anybody? Who's no, doctor? Okay, I've won. Just tell my wife this later. I've clearly won this battle. 
and I'll be walking around with a deformed toe for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm going to need surgery in 10 years. No, God's going to heal it. It's going to heal perfectly. I don't need the doctors of man. I've got the Lord. You know what I mean? The Lord will heal my toe. And um, it hurts really bad. When I feel the pain and it, when I limp, um, it reminds me of two things. It reminds me of two things. One, that, that I am in need, right? Testifying about Jesus in a challenge, even when it's our limp. It's the challenge reminding us about the testimony of Jesus in our life. I am in need. That's why I mostly only trust people with a little limp, right? The people that you trust the most, I'm not talking physical anymore. They have a little limp. They've been through some stuff. They've seen some of the reality of the world. They, they have this constant reminder, I need the Lord. You know what it manifests as is humility. It reminds you, for me, I'm 40. I shouldn't do spin moves backwards onto the couch while playing sores. I need more humility. It reminds us of that. Uh, the second thing, though, that that limp and that pain always reminds us is the testimony of Jesus in our life that he is our healer. I know I joked about it a minute ago, but my toe right now is being healed. We don't think about it a lot, but our body's healing at all is always supernatural. So I believe both. Yes, sometimes we can pray for someone and they just totally get a miraculous healing that happens in a moment. I believe in it. I've seen it. I've experienced that firsthand. There's also my toe, which I'm not saying I don't want God to heal it. Lord, please just take care of it. But right now, I mean, every time I, like a kid steps on it, because you know that happens. Every time I, I, I reached for a football yesterday at the park and I just stepped on it a little and I fell and I was like yelling. Um, I can see like the, 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 the purple changes color because there's more blood being released. You know, it's gross, but it's like the color is shifting. It looks like a work of abstract art. I'm looking at it, but you know what it's doing? My, my body is working and it's healing. This toe is going to get better. And, and the limp reminds me that the testimony of Jesus in my life is I need him and he's my healer. So pain is good, right? A limp is good. Now, we, we want to bring that to him. And so what I want to do as James comes up is pray for you out of this text. I want to pray uh, that the Holy Spirit would be with you in fullness. Let's just go to prayer right now, actually. Just bring your heart before the Lord. You know, I, I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord. You might not be a Christian. That's okay. You have a chance to put your faith in him today if you want to. You might be like me when I was 16 and someone needs to get in your face a little bit and say, hey, I know you're naming Jesus, but I don't see the fruit of Jesus in your life. I don't, I don't see someone who's born of the spirit of God and passionately walking with him and loving him and knowing him. And, and you might need to receive that truth today. I can't, I don't know if that's you or not, but you might sense the spirit of God speaking to you right now. And I want to encourage you if that's you, let your heart melt before the Lord. Humble yourself and say, I want to know you, Lord. Or you might feel convicted today about just the, the attempt to overly fit in with the world. I've been guilty of that many times. Just, let's just be one of the guys. Let's just hang. For me, it's in the context of, you know, artist friends. And artists, goodness, I mean, it's like, they're always thinking the casting off of all restraint. So since I was a young kid, 
I'm always thinking, God, can't I just like still totally hang here and, and totally be accepted here? And God's like, no, you can't. You can't. You were created as a misfit in the world, but you're a fit in the kingdom of God. And so if that's you, just pray it with me. Lord, I say yes again to your full call on my life, including the uncomfortable parts. None of us want to be hated by anyone. None of us want to be rejected. But Lord, teach us that our acceptance is in you. And teach us that if we want to know and follow you, it means we represent your name. And it's in no one's best interest, including those we love, to compromise on your name for the sake of being liked. That's not loving people well. That's selfish. So God, may we be a church. May we be believers after your heart, bearing your name. And may we be comfortably uncomfortable with the disconnect we have with the world. Now, now Lord, help us, though, to love in truth. Help us to, to be gentle and in truth. Help us to demonstrate patience and in truth. You've, you've modeled this for us, Jesus, full of grace and truth, full of love and truth. So help us, God. We just ask for your help in this world. And, and some of us, we want to get this image of like our perfectly set up life on earth where everyone just thinks we're awesome and we're totally fitting in and we're just, we're just rocking and rolling and everything's high fives. And if we're gonna be followers after you, Jesus, that's just not gonna be how it goes all the time. So just give us courage, Lord. Give us a heart of perseverance, Lord. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And ultimately, we want to know and love you and make it to the end. And we want to walk with you in, uh, in forever, new heavens and new earth. And I, you know, Lord, my heart, I don't understand all this. I wish, I wish it didn't have to be like that. I wish it could all be high fives. So, Lord, we just say yes. And if you're here and you're just not sure that the Lord loves you, don't hear this wrong. Any of you, any person in the world is being called at all times to come home. The invitation is open. So you can say yes right now. The love of God for you is unchanging. You couldn't mess up his love for you. But part of his love for you is he gives you choice. He lets you actually make decisions. He loves you so much, he, he would let you leave him. So you can return right now and just say, I want to know you, Jesus. Forgive me for where I have fallen short. I accept what you've done on the cross. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to follow after you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before I dismiss, if you could give me your attention for one more moment, I need to share something important with you. It'll just take a couple minutes. It's some church family business um, before we conclude today. And here at Graceland, we have pastors. I'm one of them. We have other pastors in our church that are accountable to the leadership, uh, the overseers, and the board of our church, and the Tennessee district of the Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God is a denomination where I have my ordination. Some of our other pastors in our church is affiliated. I really value that uh, because it's, it's true accountability. We have clear, expressed standards of holiness, integrity, and wholeness. 
And we are absolutely committed to the health of our pastors because what we do flows from who we are. I often tell our team, we care more about what God is doing in you than through you. That being said, our youth and Espanol pastor, Oscar Barajas Jr., has made some choices that make it necessary for him to be removed from ministry and have resulted in the loss of his ministerial credentials with the Assemblies of God. We are deeply saddened, but committed to Oscar and his family. We are committed to our brother and are helping him receive the help he needs. In fact, that's why he's not here today. As a church, we are committed to practicing Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So pay attention strongly for a moment. How do we practice gentle restoration? Number one, I'm asking you, don't investigate or interrogate. Oscar is following the biblical pattern and has confessed to leadership. It is not necessary to know the specifics in order to love and pray. I will tell you this, Oscar's failure does not involve minors in any way or any other member of our church family. Number two, affirm his value and worth. Oscar, and I'm thankful for this, plans to remain a part of this church family. Oscar as a person matters to each of us. Number three, process your personal disappointment in a healthy way. And I'm gonna ask you not to express that to Oscar. If you need to talk through your feelings, which I know many of you will need, I will be available right after this service. I'll be right upstairs, through, uh, through that hallway, up those stairs. We have our South classroom. You can also reach me anytime for a phone call or a meeting by emailing, emailing me at nathan at gracelandchurch.com. And I want you to know this. If you're ever caught in sin, we will practice gentle restoration. We will share your sadness at the consequences we will cry with you and walk with you through the process of restoration. And we will do so because that is what pleases God. And that's what a church family does. Graceland Youth will continue full steam ahead with all of our summer and fall plans. We just welcomed 12 new sixth graders into the youth group, including one of my daughters. And a bunch of our students leave tomorrow for camp. They will have profound encounters with the living God. We have the Youth Summer Olympics beginning on July 9th, and the fall is going to be amazing as the school season starts up again. I'm going to step in and serve with our Graceland Youth Leadership Team as we discern our next steps. I'll also be meeting with our Graceland Espanol team to pray and to discern what God is calling us to do to continue to reach the Spanish speakers in our community. So the way we're going to close the service today is we're going to pray for Oscar. We're going to pray for his family. We're going to pray for Graceland Youth. We're going to pray for Graceland Espanol. And then I'm going to close with a prayer straight out of Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. So if you could stand with me all across the room, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our dear brother. I know it's a shock to people that are here, but I pray you'll remind all of us that this does not change that Oscar is your beloved son and he's part of our church family and we love him and we're committed to him and we want him whole and free before you, God. So it's actually a day of victory in Oscar's life. We believe that, Lord. But we pray for him. We pray against 
the schemes of the enemy that would love to get in his head and try to get him to feel isolated. We, we, we are not the kind of church that shoots our wounded. We draw the wounded in more. We love them. We surround them. We pray for our brother. We pray for his family that you'll bless them who we love so, so dearly, who are serving in various ways, ways even this morning around the church. We pray for Graceland Youth. We have these wonderful students and I pray that you'll fill their hearts and minds with the comfort of God. I pray that you'll remind them that, that Oscar can still be around this church family. He might not be our youth pastor, but it doesn't mean that anything that's happened to Graceland youth is over. It doesn't mean it wasn't worthwhile. It doesn't mean what God has done in their lives isn't significant. We press forward and we're gonna have an amazing summer and fall. And I pray you'll fill the youth with hope and vision. And I pray the same for Grace and Espanol. God, as we talk through how to continue the vision to reach and serve the Spanish speakers in our community and let them know that Jesus loves them. Comfort the team, I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, I also pray that all of us will give enough just reflection and space in our life to actually grieve. Church, just look at me for one second. I, first service, I... Um, we had a moment during worship where James just asked us to kind of pause and, and, and aim our hearts towards the Lord and spend some time in his presence. And I just, uh, I just wept up here. You know, as you know, probably Oscar often sits up here next to me. And uh, I hope he will again. Um, I, I, you know, I'm almost going to like just grab him. And I'm, I won't really do that. But I wept um, for my brother, my friend. Um, it's not all tears of sadness, it's also tears of joy. It's tears of trusting God. It's tears that God is faithful when we're not. It's tears that this is the Lord's church and he will lead us onward exactly how he needs us to. Sometimes things like this, they can feel like they're steps backwards, certainly to me, but I was thinking between services, they're actually steps forward because we all need to get free before the Lord. He calls us to whole life. So we, this is not us stepping back, we're moving forward. I don't know who our, our next youth pastor is going to be or exactly what's going to happen, but I'm actually excited to jump in with them uh, for a season. I've done that before uh, a few years ago here at our church, and there's probably going to be some few other, uh, a few others that jump in and help too. But um, I encourage you, it's okay to just weep over this, but let it be uh, weeping with hope and trust. Are you guys tracking with me on that? Let me continue the prayer. Lord, ultimately our trust and our hope and our faith is in you as we sung about. Christ is our firm foundation. It's the rock on which we stand. And I'm gonna read out of Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I just want to sing this chorus before we go. You know, I know we don't want necessarily want to do like a rah-rah anthem, 
after news like this, but I wanna encourage you, we, we cling to the testimony of Jesus in our life. And the limp, the pain, reminds us of our need for God and the healing power of God. So through our, our limps as a church family, through the pain we have as a family, make no mistake about it, he is with us. And it's good for us to get low to the ground and say, God, we need you. We don't understand everything that's happening. And it's good for us to be reminded every time our toe hurts a little bit, Lord, you are healing us. The name of Jesus. I'm gonna pray this benediction. And as soon as I do, I'm gonna go right up to that room. Any of you youth, any of you parents, anyone from Espanol, anyone in the church, if you'd like to just come and sit with me for a few minutes, some of our board members will be there. Some of our team, uh, we'll just sit with you. You know, we'll pray any questions you might have. Um, and of course, it doesn't have to be right now. You can also uh, reach out to me. But let me pray this benediction and we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys very much. Have a great rest of your day.